at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. So the University of Cape Town, UCT Office for Inclusivity and Change, this year joined forces with Rape Crisis, an organization that has worked in the area of rape and sexual violence since 1976 to strengthen the support services to survivors of sexual offenses. Joining me on the line is Anne Isaacs, who's a project manager and legal officer and special tribunal for sexual misconduct at UCT. UCT. Good afternoon, Anne. Thank you so much for making the time. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, this this obviously came from a lot of anguish in the university and requests to do something. How has it been going, Anne? Uh, it's actually been quite an exciting time, and I use the word exciting simply because we, we are progressing mm. in a way that we think we are mm. making a significant change in responding mm. to gender-based violence uh, in a meaningful way mm-hmm. and creating a system that is fair but is also very survivor-centered. Mm. Talk to me about your collaboration with this organization that's been at it for nine, from 1976. I mean, they've got quite a, a massive uh, track record and I think that was in itself quite special. Sorry, the collaboration with? I didn't get that. The, co- the collaboration that you've put together with it, this organization that is, uh, that's been around from 1976. And I was saying that the point of it is that it's been around for so long that I'm sure that their, their insights are quite helpful for UCT. Yes. So, so, and I think that I, when we look at um, each year, when, when there's the 16 days of activism, when higher education institutions look at, um, you know, how long have we been revising policies, for example, and what what are we doing differently in order to, you know, enhance the experience of a person uh, going through this? And so, for example, currently UCT has since um, so our deputy vice chancellor, Professor Ferris, uh, holds the portfolio of transformation, and within that umbrella is the Office of Inclusivity and Change, where the reporting and the channeling of cases, um, you know, go go through them. My position is with a specialized tribunal that's been set up um, since last year. We operated as an ad hoc tribunal, and just this week, the new policies and procedures making this tribunal uh, part of the university system for disciplinary misconduct for sexual misconduct specifically has been approved and will become, you know, a formalized tribunal. So the different structures is that the Office of Inclusivity and Change, for example, with rape rape crisis, uh, if a survivor or complainant needs to be referred to rape crisis, the referral goes through uh, the UCT survivor support person. Mm -hmm. And this is actually very helpful in, in that Rape Crisis, in collaboration with UCT, can provide additional support to what UCT is already uh, providing in terms of individual psychosocial support to the survivors. Uh, And they can engage with the university structures, which is the OIC, Office of Inclusivity and Change. We also have the student wellness sectors, which uh, has social workers, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And then the third is the external collaboration with Rape Crisis, who has a designated social worker that works together with the survivor support person at UCT. Okay. Um, So... 
are these duplicate roles? So maybe I'm asking a silly question, but so what would be the difference between the person that um, the tribunal or the center at UCT would be doing different to what the person at rape crisis would be doing? So rape crisis will be offering additional support specifically mm-hmm. from the psychosocial aspect mm-hmm. and helping you know the uh, w- with uh, additional sessions that they would need need for debriefing, counselling, uh, supporting the survivor through. Um, any external applications that they may need to go through. But from that psychosocial support, I think the difference is with the OIC and UCT is that in addition to the uh, psychosocial support, the survivor support mechanisms assist with reporting, uh, you know, how does a person put their experience in writing? They mm. um, assist them in terms of the correct channeling. You know, does the matter go to the HR? Does it go to the student mm. discipline part of it? To navigate the landscape within the campus community mm. from both a, um, for example, making a decision as to whether they want to engage in a process that is informal mm. or a formal process that goes to a disciplinary process with the student tribunal. Um, but a special tribunal now will deal with both staff and students. So I think in addition to the psychosocial aspect, uh, it re- the UCT provider helps the survivor navigate the several okay. different aspects that one would need to understand from an institutional perspective in addition to, to the emotional support. For example, if the um, survivor decides to go through a disciplinary process, mm-hmm. then the survivor support person from the OIC actually can be present mm. uh, in the hearing to, to for, for emotional and other support to the survivor. Okay. The, the special tribunal that you said up until now has been kind of doing its work ad hoc and, and from, I think, next year you said it will start being part of the structures of UCT. So far, mm-hmm. how, how has it been received by the students, particularly the students? Oh, okay. So, so what would happen, and, and I think this is the higher education uh, landscape, mm. is that all infringements of, of university rules, mm. including sexual misconduct, mm. was, uh, you know, for a long time adjudicated in a disciplinary system that was a general disciplinary system. Okay. And what we then did was we created a special tribunal that would only deal with sexual misconduct. Yes. And the mandate was that the panel that would hear these matters would mm. be um, either have a qualification that relates to gender-based violence or have had training so that when they hear these matters, they, they you know, it's not someone, for example, who only has IT experience as an academic mm. and has mm. no uh, understanding of the GBV dynamics in terms of, you know, how does a person present evidence under when they've experienced trauma and all of that. So the specialization of the tri- uh, tribunal was really creating a separate, uh, a single tribunal that deals only with gender-based violence and within this tribunal to create a specialized panel with um, adjudicating people, for example, a chair, mm-hmm. uh, and sitting with student assessors and staff assessors. We have an evidence leader that uh, also must have extensive background in gender-based violence, and we currently have someone that is um, in that position. And I myself um, 
take on matters that basically represent for complex matters or staff matters, okay. for example. The students have responded very positively because they are now getting constant feedback, the engagement from the OIC and the flow into when they come to the tribunal. There's more uh, um, engagement with them. We have consults. Sometimes we have more than two consultations where we prepare them uh, in understanding what the tribunal process is, uh, making sure that they, um, uh, you know, they, that they feel comfortable about certain things and they have the option of asking for a support person. And so the consultation is really to prepare the students. And with, with this specialized tribunal and the focus that we have, you know, being a standalone tribunal as opposed to in a general misconduct tribunal Mm -hmm. is that students are responding positively to the fact that they have people, they know exactly who to call, they know exactly who to reach out to, and they have people literally keeping them updated on the processes and where where the process is at. Mm -hmm. And uh, improved outcomes, uh, best outcomes, um, you know, we, we that that is where we need to be, and I think students have. Um, and what we've done currently is we we've, we've set up surveys that uh, a survivor, once they've been through the system at the tribunal, mm. can actually answer the questions where we would get rated mm. um, on different aspects, like from yep. administration mm. right up to the adjudication of the matter. So. We will obviously collate all of this, but so far we've had positive. I mean, we've had such some students who, you know, obviously would would say, "Listen, I haven't heard um, what's happening for a while," and then you'd get other students that would say, "We are so happy with this, and we really find that um, we're in a better space at the university." Yes. So it's a pro. I mean, I think it's a work in progress, yes, but I think sure. that UCT's done. Very progressive work in mm. both with the online reporting system, mm-hmm. collating that data for, for example, geographical uh, uh, indicators of where sexual violence may mm. occur more often than not, you know, maybe in certain residences. And to um, what extent are the cases that you're handling, um, are you working together with official law enforcement? So the, the the processes are separate, um, Pamela, in the sense that we are a high education body. Sure. Our, tri- our tribunals are an administrative, we, we follow an administrative process. Mm-hmm. So just to give you an un- idea, uh, when we adjudicate a matter of mm. sexual violence or any, any student disciplinary mm-hmm. matter, mm. remember that we are making a finding mm-hmm. as to whether a student has breached the rules of conduct of the university. Sure. And based on that, the sanctions would only involve the person's status as either a student mm. or a staff member. Gotcha. Whereas if this process goes into the criminal court, then the the process is different. For example, in proving a case at a university, the standard of proof is on a balance of probabilities, which is a much lower standard than that of a criminal court, which requires um, proving a case beyond mm. reasonable doubt. Mm. And the the two processes can run parallel if the complainant wishes to do so, but it doesn't. So, so the so the finding at the university, I don't think necessarily can impact the finding at at at, at a criminal court. But let's just say the matter at the university has not been heard yet, and a person has been found guilty in a criminal court, then we can take that finding 
and use our disciplinary rules to just sanction the person rather than the survivor going through an entire tribunal because the case has been proved beyond reasonable doubt in a criminal court. So what we do when the survivor comes into the um, OIC space of support, the survivor support will canvas what the survivor wants to do. So the options available to a university student is do they want to initiate a process at the university only? Do they want to initiate a process only in the criminal courts? Or do they want to report it in both places and this will run parallel? But it's separate processes. But we do offer the survivors assistance and support through any external process that they wish to initiate. Thank you very much for that. And and there's a call here. I, I suspect this particular person wants to ask you a question. Maybe it's just a comment. Anyone is calling from Pretoria. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Pamela. Um, maybe my, my issue is not very much related to uh, our guest here, but uh, uh, we have been talking about uh, gender-based violence uh, year in, year out, and uh, it seems that we are addressing the symptoms of it. And uh, at some point I was uh, discussing with people saying, no, I think we need to look at the root causes of our gender-based violence, where it is coming from. And uh, at some point I uh, suggested that we need to look at these uh, initiation schools, uh, basically. Hello? We are listening, Eamon. Yeah, and uh, the problem is... um, uh, with gender-based uh, violence with these uh, initiation schools is we had a problem with uh, uh, the curriculum itself. And uh, I don't think the government is actually regulating what these guys are being taught at these uh, initiation schools. I'm not against culture myself, but I think if we use the initiation schools uh, to our advantage and look at how we can actually have a curriculum whereby uh, people, uh, especially men, being taught how to respect women because at some point I was listening to Kathy and there's a guy who came on the radio and then the guy said that uh, he wanted these initiation schools uh, open uh, so that he can teach these boys to be men and a respected men. So for me it was uh, eye-opener then I realized that maybe we have a lot of men walking around demanding respect from women. That's that's, that's where uh, it got me. So, with regard to education, uh, are these initiation schools correct and being uh, regulated by the government? Sure. I mean, it's, it's, we're going to have to park that because it's a conversation a little bit away from what we're discussing now. And, and I think you've brought this up at another time when it was appropriate. I, I did, I definitely don't think Anne can address this particular question unless uh, if Anne, you want to stab at it. Yeah, that's uh, 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 You know, the, the obviously the sound wasn't as clear, but if I'm understanding uh, the question and the comment, uh, is uh, am I correct in that um, the question is around, you know, shouldn't education around how how men treat women be embedded in mm-hmm. curricula right from school level, and that the government should regulate this kind of curriculum? Is that what? Well, he's speaking about um, initiation schools, which are very different to what you are running, but perhaps you can adapt it to your institution. 
uh, sorry, initiations as in as in, in the, uh, the the type of structures that we are. Uh, no, no, no. He, he's he's not at all. He's speaking about something completely different. But I think you can adapt it to to your institution. So he's talking about initiation cultural initiation schools which are different to running a university so maybe what i think he's asking is that to what extent are we dealing with the root cause of gender-based violence let's say in your instance in campus okay so the oic is is currently i mean it has been for a while running uh training workshops from an educative perspective across campus these training workshops are offered um at different departments, different sections. But I know that they also do this training, for example, at residences, student residences. And so uh, male residences and, um, you know, both female and male residences have the opportunity to engage with the OIC from uh, from an educative perspective. And this is a very large part of the OIC's work currently at UCT, that there's a lot of focus on education around GBV and um, engaging our male students as well to become involved in that process of education around campus. So I do think that schools should be adopting a similar approach. I think schools are faced with several challenges, and I think that's a really, that really is a discussion uh, on its own. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, but from, from, from a campus perspective, I think education around GBV is an extremely important part, and we are very involved in that. But, but and, you know, practically, what does that mean on campus? Because what does it mean? Does it mean that you are literally going to be having students go through a curriculum where you're going to focus on this? I mean, how, how will no. you do it? No, so so it's not not part of a, a, a curriculum as such. Um, it's training workshops. So the OIC will, for example, send out uh, communication to. For, let's just use the residences as an mm. example, and they will uh, arrange a session where they would go out. There, you know, designated staff members that are uh, appointed to conduct such educative programs. The director of OIC herself where they would then go and um, have discussions. Um, and the, I, I think the, the difficulty obviously would be that for those who don't, who are not interested in attending, how do we get them to be to buy in on, on this, having this wonderful culture where everybody feels safe? That's, that's the difficulty. Yeah, so I think that that is where we are uh, progressing in terms of... Um, the education. Mm-hmm. So by facilitating interactions with students and, you know, trying to build this inclusion, the OIC has been designated with that specific function in looking at what works best, mm-hmm. what are the challenges and how to fix the gap in those challenges. Mm-hmm. But I do know that they are currently involved in student, both student capacity building, peer education uh, across uh, faculties. So, so, so sometimes the uh, students themselves um, can apply uh, to be selected in, in, into peer educator programs. And then they are trained throughout the year to deliver workshops on campus and in student residences. So it's, it's peer education as well. And this is um, intersectional areas where of HIV, gender, sexual and gender-based violence, sexual diversity, privilege and class. So there's also those programs that are run 
by the OIC. Mm. And so in, in as much as the OIC themselves facilitate um, programs, I think uh, student capacity building with peer education around these aspects has been a really positive uh, initiative at UCT. All right. Thank you so much for that. Anne Isaacs is a project manager and legal officer at the Special Tribunal for Sexual Misconduct at UCT there. And um, they, they, you know, go to their website and have a look. It's obviously still new and, and we'll keep an eye on that story.